Mr. Bucket. That's right. I'm Mr. Bucket. Mr. Bucket. Put your balls in my mouth, Mr. Bucket. Put your balls in my head, Mr. Bucket. I'ma spit them on out, Mr. Bucket. Tons of fun, Mr. Bucket. Put your balls in my mouth, Mr. Bucket. Let me suck on them balls, Mr. Bucket. Put your balls in my head, Mr. Bucket. Buckets of fun. Mr. Bucket, my god. Ryan, no one else thinks that shit is funny. Whatever. Here comes another episode of The Horror of Babylon. Where stupid people say stupid shit. Spoiler warning for Stephen King's it. Trigger warning for physical, sexual and emotional abuse, as well as the loss of a child and swallowing poop. Please like, share and subscribe this terrible show. You can find the podcast on Twitter at HorrorPod69. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Goodreads. Become part of the disturbed community by asking for the Facebook group and Discord links. Send dick pics to the Horror of Babylon podcast at gmail.com. Support the show at patreon.com slash the horror of Babylon. You probably won't regret giving us money. Welcome to episode 23 of The Horror of Babylon, where we are discussing It by Stephen King, part 3. I am Ryan, and with me as always is Daniel. Say hi, Daniel. Hi, Daniel. And with us again, and for which we are extremely grateful, is Matt. Say hi, Matt. Hello. And we yeah. are going to jump <laughs> right into structure and themes. And I'm going to kick it to Daniel and ask you... Which of the themes that we've discussed so far are most prevalent in part three of it? Oh, God. No, religion <laughs> no, really hasn't come up much. I don't know. The religious man talks a lot. <laughs> Pardon my French <laughs> if you're a religious <laughs> man. A lot, of those, a lot of the themes of, like, returning to your childhood, you know... Uh, going back and rediscovering your roots has come up a lot in this in, in this part. Uh, also, uh, a lot of the emphasis on uh, memory loss and recovery, and the traumas that you form through your experiences, that was pretty heavy in this one. As they're doing their walking tours, yeah. they're kind of reawakening the memories that they've suppressed. Yeah, it's like rediscovering your trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I'm sure that uh, anyone who's had any sort of trauma, sometimes just something small brings back a bad memory of a really bad day. Yeah, some things remind me of It Chapter 2, and I just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt, what what themes do you see in this section of the book? I think a lot of those with them like, walking around and getting those memory backs, it's like acceptance is like a huge one, especially when it comes to like Richie. Like, when he has to finally realize that what he experienced a long time ago actually happened. That it wasn't a dream. So, yeah. yeah, that he, you know... Just... And that he never admitted it to the rest of the gang. Yeah. 
What new themes are you seeing in this section of the book that maybe weren't so prevalent in the previous part portions? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> hmm. Oh, Skixies. <laughs> Kill the gelflings! <laughs> I'm trying to think of what would be new. Coming together is a... I don't know if that's so much new. It's a lot more solidified in this chapter. I was thinking of, of sort of a, the reunion as being a theme. It was very reminiscent of like a high school reunion where you're coming back to see these people that you knew as children and now you're seeing them... At, as adults and you're learning like of their successes and their failures and you know their marriages and their families and, and such and such and how they're so different and yet the exact same i mean bill even brings that up right before he meets everybody he even compares it to a high school reunion right before they munch now god does that chinese <laughs> food chapter make you guys as hungry as it makes me yeah very well yeah because it seems like the most like even that chinese that Chinese restaurant we ate at in New Jersey was even like this level. Mm, that place was good. Flambe at his table? Come on. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll eat anything that's flambe. And they had like a whole baked Alaska? Like what the what kind of Chinese restaurant just brings out baked Alaska? Yeah, and they, they say multiple times that the food actually isn't that good, but it sounds like it's pretty damn good to me. It, I, I think it's just because these are all upper middle class people used to... Uh, caviar and yeah, I'm sure they're all also really like pretty intoxicated too. It, Mike thinks he's taking them to literally the nicest place in Derry. Might be the <laughs> nicest place in Derry though. And they're like, man, this place is kind of shitty. And like, this is the best I can do, says Mike Hamlin. <laughs> okay, so uh, jumping into characters, we're gonna break them down by by chapter here we're going to start with chapter 10 the reunion and the main one i want to talk about here is is mike hanlon we're going to get to all the other members of the losers club through their individual walking tours um but th this is where we get the most mike in this section and this is kind of where he symbolically hands the the baton over to uh, bill because it was his job to to stay and it was his job to get everybody back but then once the Losers Club reassembles, Bill kind of takes over leadership again from Mike. Uh, what did you guys think of Mike Hanlon and what we learned about him in this section? I really like Mike in this. It, it just shows to, you know, not only what lengths he went to, but how sure he was trying to be before he dragged people back into this nonsense. Yeah, how he's tormented over every single one of these kids who dies. And he he's thinking, you know, if I would have just called earlier, I one or more of these children could still be alive. Yeah. I think at some point he just didn't want to, you know, think it was real himself. Yeah, that too. Denial. And that's why he wanted to be absolutely sure. Because he knew... It, it's like he knew exactly what this would do to everybody. It's like, uh, again, it's like bring up somebody's trauma Be I'm trying to think of a good example here say you're working in like law enforcement or the court system and then you have to start calling people because somebody's getting out of jail oh. that's what it kind of reminded me of is hey the person who assaulted you or the person who robbed you they're getting released because there's some 
people sometimes you have to inform victims when someone's getting released. I mean, there's even a situation like that in this part, though. Yeah. Like, so when we get around to like the three unwanted guest part. Yeah. It it literally leads to the death of Stan Uris. So yeah. yeah. So that's what it reminded me of is calling victims and saying, "Hey, we need you to testify again." That's and that's got to be a job that nobody likes to do. As I reread this book more, Mike becomes one of my favorite characters every time. I just thinking about like not just that he stayed in Derry, not just that he makes less money than they do, but he also suffered in that he didn't completely forget. He was always on the lookout. He's he was always thinking about it out it. He never had a partner. He was always alone. He was continually on edge, waiting for, you know, kind of the bubble to pop. It just, oh, sounds yeah. rough. It sounds very, He's got very some rough. big balls. He's got some real big balls. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's our new thing, is we... Mm. Mm. My cannon balls. Put them in my mouth, my mouth, my Put them in your mouth and do a hamburger impression. Mr. Bucket, put your balls in my mouth. Mr. Bucket! That's right, I'm Mr. Bucket. Mr. Bucket, put your balls in my mouth, Mr. Bucket. Put your balls in my head, Mr. Bucket. I'm gonna spit them on out, Mr. Bucket. Tons of fun, Mr. Bucket. Put your balls in my mouth, Mr. Bucket. Let me suck on them balls, Mr. Bucket. Put your balls in my head, Mr. Bucket. Buckets of fun. Wobble, wobble. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, moving on to walking tours. We already, we touched a little bit on on Richie and what goes on with his. But uh, so, you know, after they have their reunion, uh, Mike said, or it's Bill, one of them says that it'd be best if we all just went out and explored Derry on our own and then mm-hmm. met up later tonight. That way we can all try to remember what we've forgotten we're going to kick it off with Richie. Matt, um, what, do you, what do we learn about Richie, and what do, you, what do you think about this section of the book as it pertains to him? Um, I actually like this section a lot because yeah. it, you know, it's the first time we actually get like Richie's actual experience with Pennywise, and it comes down to like the whole the Paul, it's Paul Bunyan, right? Yeah. Paul Bunyan statue. But they couldn't afford blue. Yeah, they bring that up where it's like they couldn't afford the blue, the, the blue I almost said the ox, the bit, yeah, camel. <laughs> blue camel. <laughs> camel. Uh, that um, sounds like a Middle Eastern gay bar. Sorry. Well, we also, I, don't know, I think Richie is an er- interesting character in the fact that like he's he's scared, but the fact that he does all these voices and stuff is also such a big defensive thing for him. But it also works out because there's there's a part in this instance when he's talking to Pennywise or Pennywise is talking to him. Um, where he does want he does his his slave voice. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's that one. And Pennywise like he like recoils from it because because you know, he's so offended. Because he's like, <laughs> I must tweet about the, this. It's also it's also like one of those instances where he's doing this out loud, and there's other people that don't see this going on. And there's just like a kid <laughs> and his dad standing there while Richie's just yelling at the statue. Um, and also, this is the the same where you know Richie loses his contacts. And he, they just they just either fall out or they just disappear because they never found them. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has to get his he has to wear his glasses from then on. 
Because yeah. and all they also he also has the because Pennywise like I think out of all of them, well, maybe not all of them. I think because when we get to the other ones, like Bill didn't really get anything with Pennywise during his walk. His was more of a just a stroll down. Yeah, he like never his memory lane. But uh, I mean, Pennywise kind of like laid it to Richie here. Like the the live was it all. The tour, there's the the all dead tour, the yep. with all the rock stars and stuff, and and then he, like Pennywise threatens Richie to give him like like prostate cancer and to give him like a brain. He's like, I can point at your your pecker and give you prostate cancer. I, I can, can point at your too, brain though. and give you a tumor. But then, you know, people would say that that doesn't really change anything about about him, you know, because he's he's just a weird dude. Um, but if. <laughs> I like that our description of Richie is he's a weird dude. He, he is. He is, though. He's just a weird, you know, funny guy <laughs> who, 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 like, well, well, we didn't really actually talk about the meal much, did we? Are we going right to the walks and not the, talking about them having dinner? Yeah, I mean, we can talk about that involved in this. I, I mean, just... he even, like, busts, the, so, like, when they, when they finally get their fortune cookies, which is the scene where it kind of, like, breaks through. Yeah. And there's the whole tense scene where like Bill's is like don't, don't, don't do it because he knows and they all know and they crack him open, and there's like the eyeball for Richie and there's like all the blood for Bev, and and then Richie pops when they when the the, the waitress comes in and she's trying to figure out what's going on but Bill's like calm everybody needs to stay calm and Richie's like yeah some of us got an eyeful <laughs> making a joke about the eye and the fortune cookie like even like busting jokes at that point so he's like I don't know his his use of it is just his comedy to deal with is, you know, both a good thing and I guess a bad thing in some some cases, because um, I feel like maybe he's a little bit too afraid to show his actual, you know, emotion he, without he, making those jokes. He purposefully tries to press people's buttons. I don't know if it's on purpose or if it's just sort of conditioned into him. They also compliment his voices. Yeah. Like, I think Bill says, says straight up just says, oh, your voice has actually got good. They used to be, <laughs> they used to be shitty. And then they all start remembering. Well, he was beep, eleven. Beep. They, they randomly yeah. start remembering the beep beep, beep thing beep, during Richie. the. Oh, it's a good little section. My yeah. favorite Richie part was when he talked about his bisectomy. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh yeah! There's the whole the whole because they oh they can't have kids. Yeah. I don't know, kids. He just spends a whole thing talking about his vasectomy. He calls up his his old girlfriend and she's a huge bitch yeah. to him. And jokes on you, like. <laughs> She was a huge bitch. She was like, but maybe he was a maybe he was a dick to her. I mean, well, I the, way, the way the way the it talks about their relationship, it sounds like they were just fucking. Like yeah. it just kind of sounds like they were just. They kind of sort of sound like two hippies hanging out in an apartment building and smoking smoking dope and having sex. Like and then she the got ideal she relationship. Got, she got a corporate job and left. I don't like. And now he gets to do voices. I mean, he might have been a dick, but. I can definitely see him being a dick. But he might also... I feel like Richie's the kind of dude that, like, doesn't think he's being a dick, but is being a dick, but not meaning to be. They're trying to have dinner at the Applebee's, and he won't stop doing his Slave Jim voice. <laughs> well, no, because he forgot about that voice. Yeah. Because it comes back to him in this scene. Like, he completely forgot that voice was a thing, and it just kind of, like, came out of him at that point. And then that's when Pennywise, like, recoiled from it. And he was like, oh, fuck. Balls. <laughs> Balls. 
Balls. Yeah, we talked about his balls, the bisectomy. Yeah. Oh, whoa, Richie toes your balls. Put them in my mouth. Mr. Bucket. That's right. I'm Mr. Bucket. Mr. Bucket. Put your balls in my mouth, Mr. Bucket. Put your balls in my head, Mr. Bucket. I'm gonna spit them on out, Mr. Bucket. Tons of fun, Mr. Bucket. Put your balls in my mouth, Mr. Bucket. Let me suck on them balls, Mr. Bucket. Put your balls in my head, Mr. Bucket. Buckets of fun. Daniel, do you have any thoughts on Richie in this section? I mean, I just really like Richie overall. He, he reminds me too much of myself, unfortunately. Also, he was my favorite part of the Part 2 movie. I just like the actor that they got to play him. Yeah, yeah, he's really good. But, I mean, well, most, I most Saturday Night Live trained comedians are. <laughs> Bill Hader. I'm trying to find, you know, little specks of light in the Part 2 movie. <laughs> Uh, so the guy who plays Richie, Bill Hader, he has this really funny recurring skit on Saturday Night Live where he plays a like eighty-year-old uh, reporter who they yeah those yeah, are okay, super funny about, yeah. yeah he he's like a, like a super conservative like not PC guy at all and they send him out to do all these reportings and he goes to like college campuses and interview who's like you know, college age millennials and just like I don't know, it's pretty funny. That like, sounds pretty that sounds that sounds like something to be right up my alley. Yeah. Okay, uh Ben Hanscom. Ben he goes to the the library. And he sees Pennywise appear as a Dracula. A vampire. Hollow. Not initially though. Yeah, it's a clown, and then he becomes the vampire with like razor teeth. He has right. razor teeth. And he fights off its own mouth, chomping. He, this like, is not Bella Lugosi. This is not Christopher Lee. Initially, he's like checking out the children's library, and then he's like, "Oh shit, I'm not a child anymore." And then he's like, "I'm a grown ass man. Maybe I should go to the adult section." In a town where children are being yeah, murdered. Yeah, because that that girl comes up and talks to him, and he realizes, "Oh, she's not talking to me because she's, and then he you know, starts talking. Looking she's up. talking to me because she thinks I'm weird." Yep. He starts looking at the stairs, going, "I wonder if I'll get to see any more panty shots." Yeah, there's a whole <laughs> section where he's just like, he used to come in and look up skirts." And then that happened to me on Saturday. <laughs> It happened to him while we were on the trip. And I, I said, wow, I just totally had a Ben Hanscom moment. <laughs> but but Stephen King spends like a whole, like, it feels like, it feels like a whole page just talking about Ben staring up with skirts. Because like. he's a pervert. There's, there's I, I watched the this uh, YouTube channel, uh, Red Letter Media, and they always make this joke that Stephen King is a sex pervert. It's not a joke. He is. <laughs> I'm just like I'm reading this. Considering like, how much sex is in these, a lot of his stuff. I mean, yeah. Especially in the upcoming two parts. <laughs> yeah. This one is actually a little light on it. This one's pretty tame. Yeah. Right? He, yeah. Just got, he just got a um, panty shot. That ain't so bad. Yeah, I think. I think he gets a he gets a library card. <laughs> he wanted a panty, but he got and a library card. He, he gets his library card, and that's when um, he, could tell. He, he starts hearing Pennywise, and Pennywise is like talking to him and trying to like taunt him he's, he's like screaming that Ben killed all the kids and then of course Ben realizes nobody hears him and that he can't respond and that old man won't shut up the, a silver that can't turned into a bullet <laughs> we didn't use bullets <laughs> we used slugs I uh my favorite part of that scene is when he finds his book he got back to the library I was like oh thank oh, god, god. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one of them also Pennywise is like so talkative 
in these, talks a lot in these yeah. Parts, sessions. Yeah. He's he, not just he wants to, to have a conversation. He's, he's he talks like, more like, to them like, as adults. He's like, come up here. You know, walk up the steps and Ben's just like, fuck no. Hey, <laughs> ain't coming over he's there. Like, he's actively, or you could interpret that he's actively trying to scare them away. Rather than... Well, well because he knows if they stay there, you know, something might happen. He's mm-hmm. going to lose his, his feeding ground. Because he even tells them, like, leave mm-hmm. or die. I'll give you ball cancer. <laughs> One of my one of my favorite parts of the miniseries is when Bill first shows up in Derry and Tim Curry's Pennywise is in the cemetery and he's got seven open grave well, he has six open graves and one that's filled in. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't watched that in so long. I love I love it a lot. It's my favorite. I uh I also really liked his uh during the dinner scene when he's talking about how he lost weight. That is like one of my all-time oh, favorite parts of the book. It, the, he just wanted—he just yeah. wanted to be super spiteful to that coach, and I just love that so much. I lost weight out of spite. That coach just comes up and like grabs his titties. <laughs> and it's like, I you're, can't imagine you're, that happening. You're a fat piece of shit, and you're always gonna be a fat piece of shit. I'm like grabbing. Was titties. he on the ground though? I feel like he was. He like laying on the ground. I think he was laying on the ground crying. Because he just got. Slapped the shit out of him by a bunch of boys, and yeah. I think I think it like says that like he leans over him because the whistle hits him in the face. I and I he thinks Ben thinks he's gonna help him, and he, he, he says, "I'm not gonna comfort you." And then and then Ben like tricks his mom into thinking that he likes vegetables because he realizes because he realizes that he could eat yeah, he, he could eat as much vegetables as he wants. Mm-hmm. So he just eats a fuck ton of salads. Yeah, his mom doesn't care that. And he, it, as long as he eats as a lot. As long as he's eating a lot of stuff. And At then first, he gets he's, his, like, uh, freaking out, saying he's starving himself. And it's that, like, a codependent relationship. Oh, yeah, that's what we talked about last, like, last yeah. episode with her just, you know, wanting to keep him around and yeah. keep him fed. And then, like, he gets his paper job, and he, like, he walks the whole thing. And and he ran until he, he threw go, up. Yeah, he just goes. And then he, then he just kicks the shit out of the other track kids. Just beats runs just runs so much faster gotta go fast <laughs> he's not lightning mcqueen what i mean sonic oh <laughs> what? sorry i didn't say ka-chow we were talking about the best pixar movie cars oh. don't get me started that's another pre-show <laughs> i i have a huge cars rant <laughs> i haven't seen it i think cars 2 was Maybe the maddest I've ever been in a in a movie. But, I liked Cars One. Cars yeah. One was enjoyable. Cars yeah. Two was. I know. <laughs> don't don't. All right, let's move on. <laughs> um, anything else on Ben? I'm trying to think. If there's anything else that's like that that jumps out a lot. Oh, he also just like hints at like Ben fucks. Like there's just this thing. He's like. He's like. No, no paternity suits. Or it's just like a, a subtle brag where it's just like, yeah, I fuck. I don't make love. He's like, I'm single, but no, but, no, but no paternity suits or anything. Either that or it was a joke to deflect the fact that he's single and maybe he's single because... His one-itis is butt. <laughs> exactly. He, he's, he never got over being an orbiter. I don't know. Ben's... The way they describe Ben, he's a real handsome dude. I'm pretty sure he fucks. Yeah, but he, like... The bartender, like, 
makes a point of saying that he's always alone. He yeah. never has anybody with him. You know. I kind of want to believe uh, he's a virgin. Uh, that's my head cannon. Uh, well, he's, he's, he's definitely he's not a virgin. Not. <laughs> well, he okay, no spoilers. He know that. No spoilers. He doesn't remember edit, that edit yet. This as far as he thinks, he's a virgin. Okay. <laughs> he hasn't remembered yet. We're done with Ben. We're moving to Eddie. They're all just going to get a real weird flashback on him. Ah! Speaking, speaking of virgins, Eddie Kasprak. Whoa! Whoa. Eddie fucks his mom. Uh, no, Eddie gets fucked by his mom. She fucks him over royally. Oh, I thought she pegs him. Like... Oh my god. <laughs> I was like, oh. He's not weighed. <laughs> Got pegged by my mom Friday night. I've been shitting funny for a week. I thought I was supposed to be the one that gets Friday. No, mama, no. Not the butter. You know who? You know who probably got pegged by his mom? Bobby Boucher. As long as it's not Bobby Hill. No, Peggy wouldn't do that. She might. She, she I bet she takes him. <laughs> oh, Peggy, Peggy Hill. Boom. Butterfree. Jahan Redcorn. Peggy Hill. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, Sorry. Eddie. Eddie goes to Tracker Brothers, the baseball field. Uh, Belch Huggins. Hit one and knocked the stuffing out of it, and Pennywise shows up in the ditch. Don't, yep. for, don't forget about the, the pinup, the Playboy of the month through the window. <laughs> At which, um, if any of you listeners have read Dreamcatcher, that pinup is actually a massive plat, plot point in Dreamcatchers. It actually... You mean wet Dreamcasters? Oh! Oh! Dreamcatcher, not catchers. Whoa! Whoa! (laughs) Um, I feel like Eddie's chapter is kind of the briefest and tells us kind of the least. Um, I feel like it sets more... I don't know. Because he gets a lot of, like, just flashbacks of just, like, them playing ba- It's just mostly baseball-oriented. Yeah, and it's, but it's, it's mostly also, about other kids. It talks a lot about him walking down the nicer parts of Derry, where mm-hmm. all the real nice houses, and him, him having a crush on that, that girl who they used to play badminton. Is it Veronica cricket? Grogan? I think so. Yeah. Maybe? I think so. Because he, he, like, knew that, like, oh, they had, like, a picnic table back there, and they played badminton. And she, the ball would, you know, get knocked out of the way, and she'd come catch it. And he would be like, maybe I should say hi to her, but then he'd be like, no, you know, no, yeah. she's not big enough for me. <laughs> she's not Myra the Hog. She's not a taxi. Uh, yeah, it, it kind of just establishes is that, and, and that he he doesn't get to play baseball, but sometimes he sits on the edge, and he maybe he'll throw one back in, and how good he feels when they say, hey, thanks, kid. And it, he he is so starved for like just wanting to be a normal kid. Yeah. You know that yeah, he chick- you had an overbearing mother that shoved an inhaler down your throat every twenty minutes. You'd want to. I don't know anything about that. Hit someone with a baseball bat too. A baseball, not, not a smartphone. 
What what about his encounter with Pennywise in this chapter? I feel I don't want to say like it's bad, but I feel like it's it, it's the it, most forgettable one. It's the most forgettable. I just read it yesterday and I already forgot. <laughs> it, it's the most forgettable, and we literally have a dude who doesn't get an encounter, <laughs> and his is more memorable. Yeah, I mean, God, I love the skateboard kid. All right, we'll get there though. Um, but Eddie has you know, if you've never read it. And if you're an Eddie fan, don't worry, because Eddie has some of the best content in part four. There's some, some really good Eddie stuff that's coming up. My f- Moving on, my favorite of all the walking tours, it, I bet I'm not alone here, it's got to be Bev's. Be- Bev's is the I best think, walking tour. I think Bev's has, like, the... It's got to be, like, the creepiest one, too. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about symbolism for I, rediscover trauma? This is the chapter. This is also one of the parts why I almost put the book down. <laughs> I bet. I mean, she drinks shit. Uh, that wasn't... That's not even the worst part <laughs> that's for just one, I mean, that's just one part. I, the Okay, so she, go, she goes back to her... She's the only one who actually, like, legitimately goes back. Bill walks by his. Mm-hmm. But she actually goes into her old apartment... Uh, and meets Mrs. Kirsch. The, the kindest, nicest old woman ever. Surprise. Bonda. She's fucking Pennywise, who turns into her dad and says some horribly... Horrible. I wanted to fuck oh, you, Blaz. Yeah, that, I think I'd like... I also just read that, and I think I tried to blank that out because it's like the most descriptive, just I, the, uncomfortable... The line that I, I almost put it down for good was, I want to suck your s- bevy. S- I want to suck your your clit between my teeth. Yeah. Uh, It's even worse than the audiobook. I think I I know. I I think I'd be still uncomfortable with reading it, but listening to because the dude that does the audiobook is his Pennywise voice. Steven Weber is very good. So fucking good and Mm -hmm. unsettling at some points. I want Mm -hmm. him to be Pennywise in the anime. And (laughs) just that whole section, the way like he put some like acting and like some real hardcore acting into yeah. it because it was just very and it was like it's it's like it's like a paragraph worth of just like things that the the worst part about all that for me is you know that on some level that all is true well yeah his dad her dad was just a fucking a fucking piece of shit oh what's it what's he uh, i worried because i wanted to f- you say I'd worried, I'd worried because I wanted, I wanted to, to fuck, fuck you, you or yeah. something like that. Just you can say that over and over. I'm like, stop. <laughs> it's hard. And then just a million just to listen to way too descriptive things that I didn't care to. And listen. Pennywise just laid it all out there after making her drink shit. <laughs> she didn't drink much of it, but she definitely she got a, a little she bit. Took a, she took a sip. Okay. And of course, like, that. of course, it discusses like that her dad moved moved out of the apartment building and mm-hmm. moved downtown. Um, and then it's, but it's also got this really cool, like, because she turns, it turns into be like Hansel and Gretel. Because mm-hmm. the, the apartment turns into like candy and stuff. Yeah. I really wish they would have done that in the movie. I think that would have been like so cool for it to I like, really wish they would have had her dad coming out saying I wanted to fuck No, I'm, no, no, I'm good without that. Without that. I just think it would have been cool to like just see like to see see the scenery turn into like a candy house. Yeah, that so would have been gotta, cool, but I also that's one of the few parts of that movie I mean, that I really like. It was liked. really good. They yeah. did it really well. Um but, uh, I, I, I I love I, the trailer was just basically that scene. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, I mean, it was like the best. Part the, of the, the, the scene was ruined for me when she when she came out as a big CGI, didn't look real at all, goofy looking monster. You, do you love it when you just see over Beth's shoulder? Mrs. Chris just naked yeah, run across. That part's the- great. <laughs> if they would have just kept it, it's like fucking Gumby just just, just have that actress actually come out as a naked old woman saying disturbing shit. It would have been better. What was Gumby's horse name? Oh fuck, uh, orange horse. No. Uh, Gumby and Peabody. No, that's Sherman's dog. No. Pokey. Pokey. Yeah. Okay. Pokey. Look, it's been so long since. Gumby I'm- and Pokey. <laughs> that's that's what da- best dad wanted to name her. Mr. Bucket. That's right. I'm Mr. Bucket. Mr. Bucket. Put your balls in my mouth, Mr. Bucket. Put your balls in my head, Mr. Bucket. I'ma spit them on out, Mr. Bucket. Tons of fun, Mr. Bucket. Put your balls in my mouth, Mr. Bucket. Let me suck on them balls, Mr. Bucket. Put your balls in my head, Mr. Bucket. Buckets of fun. Okay. Come here, Pokey. Bill Denbro. This is also uh, one of my favorite parts of the book. Both uh, the part with Silver and the part with the skateboard kid. I love the skateboard kid. I I, I love how, like... You can't be careful on a skateboard. I love... I don't know how protective Bill is, too, here. Because he's, like, he's just straight up telling this kid, like... Stay away from storm Stay away from the drain. Stay away from... And then he's also just trying to talk... He also he's like offers the kid fifty cents to ride his skateboard, and the kid's like, "No, nah, I want to see you bust your ass, man, free." <laughs> Sometimes I think I got toys in the attic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because the kid, the kid, he talks about the kid uh, that went down to the and saw Jaws. That's saw what I Jaws, and that's what I also like because now they're in the eighties. Yeah, now they're saying eighties monsters. Makes sense. Yeah. And it it was the it was a more real shark than Jar Jaws, the realest of sharks. That's well, how it would have also been. Also, this kid's like, my dad says not to talk to strangers, and then just proceeds to, to talk. just talk to Bill. But like, I mean, Bill's like really portrayed in the scene as just like a really just a a nice dude that's just mm-hmm. like, you know, he wants to protect so the, he wants to protect these kids because he even tells the kid he's like, you know, just stay away from stay with your friends, stay away from the barons, stay away from drains anything like that do you ever hear voices this will all pass soon and the kid's like you think so he's like i think so it's like he's kind of like he's like i'm gonna gonna fucking kick the shell this clown yeah and he rides the skateboard he doesn't ride it no he okay he almost rides it yeah he he He, like puts his foot on it and and he he gets a vision of him falling on his ass and having to go to the hospital and he decides not to he, then he tells the kid to be careful, and the kid says, "You can't be careful can't on a skateboard. skateboard." And he like drifts around the turn. I remember Bill, Bill just being like, "No, kid, that's not gonna." And the kid just like, Foof. Yeah, and it's reminiscent of how Bill used to ride Silver, Silver yeah. when he was a kid. And Which is a nice segue into him getting going to the finding the, Silver and finding Silver. Yeah, and then it, it gets it goes. In, hey, kid, what's the best toy store or the best store in Dare? That was actually. The girl he that was a, the next because yeah. he talks kid, to yeah. two kids, which is kind of weird. That that's what I think is funny about that scene is he goes right also from talking to one kid to talking to another. Also, another example of being sus. Parents are just letting just, just, just letting their kids. No way. If there was a kid over there, there is no way I would let my kid go out and just play on their own with nobody with them. Uh, a child serial murderer. Is yeah, I mean, I don't do that now. When yeah, I don't know. But yeah, he gets to the pawn shop, and then that's when he starts remembering, uh, thrusts his fist against the pole, and 
he thrusts his fists against the post still and insists. still says he sees the ghosts. And then he's got the, the, the barbershop pole, and he's like, pull! Pull! And the guy thinks that he wants to buy it. I could let it go for 175 Sees the ghosts. And, and then he comes like, no, I want, the, no, I want the bike. Because Silver ended up in a pawn shop, but he doesn't remember what he did with Silver. He's just like, what did I, why, how did it end up here? Oh, and the guy, like, like almost pulls a gun on him, too. Yeah. Because he thinks he's insane. He probably all... saw him talking to all the kids. And Bill, Bill assumes the guy is gay and doesn't blame him for being defensive in a town, town where a gay man was just someone, beat up yeah. and thrown into a canal and murdered. And had his armpit ripped out. Yeah. Oh, he'd say, well, on uh, deodorant. <laughs> they last twice as long because he only has to use it under one arm. And he's also dead. Yeah. If my deodorant lasts twice as long, I might buy nicer deodorant. Now, probably not. I still probably buy the cheap stuff. Deodorant's expensive. Just go all natural. But, uh, then, I mean, he calls up Mike because he got silver. Yeah. And, and Mike's, Mike's like, You gonna ride it? No. No. He's like, and then Mike got the patching. The, the he just patching happened kit. to have it. He just, just happened hap- to have it. Just happened to have a new deck of bicycle cards. And then Bill's having like these like childhood flashbacks. He's like, "Oh, I gotta grease this. And, you know, I gotta put cards in the spokes." I bet. I bet Mike has the nice cards. You know. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, "Well, what the fuck? Like, what am I doing? What am I thinking? Like, I'm an old man now. Like, I can't. I'm an old balding man with my childhood bike." basically every adult person who goes to nostalgia bait movies. Did we talk about Eddie? Yeah. yeah you <laughs> can't even said remember. The least memorable. <laughs> You're like, did we talk about it? <laughs> he even joked about it being the least memorable of the walks. Okay. Uh, uh, chapter 12, Three Uninvited Guests. We're kicking it off with Henry Bowers. Uh, Henry Bowers basically lives where Daniel works, so <laughs> tell us a little bit about Henry Bowers. I'm trying to say this in a way that uh will not get me put on a list. Well we're not we're not saying where you work. Do you we're just saying rules you, of course? No, but I wish I could. We're just saying you work at a place like that. Uh this is actually probably also one of my favorite parts. Mm-hmm. Just because I find this particularly super relatable. Because I work with uh, forensics patients who uh, all have very violent histories. Well, not all of them, but most of them have very violent histories. So I'm sitting there and I'm I'm listening to it. And they're describing what the patients do. But they're also describing how they act. And even how uh, Henry Bowers acts with his nightlights. Because he, he has to have a nightlight and he's measuring his life by nightlights. It's Donald Duck, isn't it? It's, it, I know it's Donald and Fozzie. And uh, Minnie Mouse was one at one point. I think it was a, a Mickey and a Minnie. I yeah. think Winnie the Pooh was mentioned. Yeah. But he started measuring his life and uh, how his nightlights have gone. And I could use a Fozzie, the Fozzie Bear nightlight. I could use any nightlight after uh, reading some of these chapters. When we when I was still at the call center, there were only three guys on my team, and we all had bear nicknames. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, Papa Bear, Smokey Bear, and I was Fozzie Bear. What was that Bear's card? The Secret Layer Bearscape? one. Yeah. Bearscape. I'm gonna get yeah. that artist. So good. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I want to build bears now. I used to have Bearscape in my cube. 
there was someone in the comments for that card being like, you should objectify men, like, and then we're like, what the fuck? Wow, like I don't like, I don't have words for that. It's like saying that nudity has never been a thing in Magic the Gathering. I'm like, have you seen some of these guys? These are just dudes in a hot spring. Calm down. Okay. <laughs> yeah, some people are insane. Um, uh, but yeah, I like this chapter. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like, I... Uh, well, he like starts because he starts hearing voices of all his old friends. And he rises in the moon. And he's always looking at the moon. He's ripping up pea plants. He's. I I thought that earlier in the book, I, I was listening to it, and I thought in either in part, I think it was in part two, there was some hint when they were talking about Henry about Pennywise coming back in the moon, and I for I forgot to make a note about it. I don't recall that, but I mean that's also probably. Just the book being super long, and I don't remember Get every it on detail. The next read through. Yeah, I'm gonna make myself wait a few years before I read it again. But yeah, we'll do it before the next remake. What? <sighs> are we? No, we're not gonna read. When is the show supposed to come out? Is a show? Yeah, yeah. Welcome to Dairy. It's a prequel. a prequel show. Yeah, I know. Most yeah, of the, that's the most people have. Made mixed feelings. Is it like a Netflix show or it's, like a... Is it HBO? I think it's HBO Max. I think HBO's had some good, like, good stuff. I think if any of the of the streaming services were to make a show like that, I think HBO would... It is HBO. HBO. So is it gonna be from, like, the Black Spot era? I don't... I don't think, I don't think there's any information. It's just that, hey, we're doing this. If, if I were... If you gave me that, I would say, okay, do a mini-series about all of the different things that are included. Do, like, an episode on the Black Spot Fire, an episode on the uh, the Easter egg hunt gone wrong, do an episode on the the gang guys that were shot. Like, do... That's what I would do, but I doubt that's what yeah, would happen. Yeah, they're gonna milk it. They're yeah. Gonna, they're gonna do some stuff that's not in the book, probably. Yeah. Uh, what I predict is going to happen is they're going to go further back in time and it's, this is the loser club of this generation. That's the worst case scenario that I'm imagining. Yeah, I hope they don't do that. Okay. At this point, not much is known about Welcome to Dairy's plot outside of Variety's report that the series will take place in the 1960s. It will follow the origin story of our favorite clown, Pennywise. They, they, may, they can't, he can't have an origin... That must be a typo. Wait, because but the, doesn't don't they get rid of him in like nineteen fifty? Well, and the, oh, they they so upgraded the time period in the uh, most recent remake. Well, still, like he can't well, but, have an origin in nineteen sixties. Yeah, I mean they it, even in chapter two it has pictures of him in the like you know the nineteenth century. They want to retcon the spider clowns. They're going with something different. Does whatever a spider clown does. I mean, he really does. So, in this in this article, it says, "Have there been other it TV shows?" And they do not mention whoa. They just talk about the miniseries. Mm. Whoa! 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 You have the best whoa, Matt. Yeah, it's better. <laughs> the most. The last time I played Crash Bandicoot was when I uh, finished Uncharted Four. I was more of a Spyro fan. 
Yeah, there was same. Like a mini, there was a mini game or something, or a mini thing at the end of our. Yeah, you got to play the first like level of Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, so I, I was also more of a Spyro fan, and I still am. I just played them both, and then I got the remasters when they came out. Yep. Okay. Where were we at? I have no uh, Henry guess. Bowers. Uh, I think I've said a lot on Henry so far. Uh, I mean, his friends visiting him and him like. He wants to believe he's uh, crazy. This is also Pennywise's like contingency plan, like his yeah. backup plan, because he's like, he's like, I can only do something if they, you know. Victor Chris is like, we can only get them if they half believe, but you, Henry, you, you can, can get them if they believe, don't believe. You half just get them anytime. Yeah, yeah. this is Pennywise being Batman, having his. But it's so This is like, he's like, you want to get revenge on him, right? And it's like. He chose, because he kind of just chose to go in there. He, mm-hmm. he chose to take the fall for all, because the people at Derry put all the murders on him, on him, yeah. even the ones of his friends, and he just accepted it. Because it was better than what he saw in well, the sewers. Yeah, and, I mean, if he didn't accept it, the police were probably going just gonna to be, beat be, the shit out of him. He was also probably concerned more. what Pennywise would do. Yeah. To, he's like, okay, it's, I have to take the fall for Pennywise. It's better than what was in the sewers. He mm-hmm. wanted to get away. And honestly, prison's probably better than living with his dad. Well, his dad was. He, well, no, it says in here that he killed yeah, his dad. Yeah, his dad's, yeah. His dad's, his dad's dad. Well, that's. It's still, presumably, he would have went to foster care or, yeah. or whatever. Well, if he went to foster care, then maybe he would have gotten out of dairy. Maybe. <laughs> and then would he have gotten rich? No, I doubt it. Okay, Matt, tell us about Tom Rogan, your your why, guy. Why do I always have to? Do because this? you make a big big deal. He's out such of a him. fucking dick. <laughs> no, he's a great guy. Well, this, well, but this whole scene starts with uh, Kay, right? Kay, yeah, Kay, and she's with her talking to the doctor. Talking to the doctor and saying that if it was any other situation, she would show him the world. <laughs> <laughs> that was a weird thing. For King to put in there, he's like, if I weren't like battered, I want to have sex with this guy. I would take him guy. home and fuck him and show him the world. Thanks, Stephen King. And this doctor's also just trying to like get her drunk. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> he's, he's like, here's the, you know, there's a phone number, and then he's like, I got a bottle of bourbon in the in the cabinet, you know, for medicinal reasons, you know, for I'm trying to lay that surgical pipe. I'm um, sorry, Bev. He was gonna cut my face. Yeah, and then the thing, some she, real body horror. It yeah. goes back, and she's you know working on some papers, and Tom calls her, and Tom's like, you know, where's Bev? Do you know where Bev's? Uh, where's Bev? And she's like, well, I haven't seen her in two weeks, and then he hangs up, and then he shows up at her door and does like some falsetto voice, mm-hmm. pretending flowers. to flowers, like flowers. Like first off, wouldn't you be like, no, I'm a feminist. Who's sending me flowers? <laughs> like. <laughs> I think it's it's assumed that she has a lot of younger suitors. Well, yeah, but also I'd be like, does her door just... I guess, I mean, some people don't have windows in their door, like little screens in their door. She, she has a chain. She says, why didn't I put on the yeah, chain before she, I opened the door? She takes the chain off and opens it, yeah. and then Tom just comes in fucking Bam. juggernaut style. He's like, I'm the juggernaut, bitch, and just starts... Beating the shit out of her and asking where's her, where's, Charles? Where's, where's Bev? And then where's Charles Xavier? She puts up a huge fight until uh, he breaks a vase and threatens, you know, to, cut threatens to cut her face. And then she just, you know, breaks 
the guy reading this also puts a lot of terror in her voice, which is sort of hard when you're trying to read a middle-aged woman. But when he, she, when he's screaming like "not my face," I'm like, yeah, that's uh, that's about what my voice would sound like. And then she like, and I mean, like the worst part is like, he gets to a point where he, he's like, starts he calls this like. I hate that he calls himself like Uncle Tom. Like he's like, like, like listen, listen to Uncle Tom. I'm like, why? When did, when did she become your niece? Like, what is this? And he's like telling it's because him, like, there's a sexual like, component to all this he, for him. He's like, she, he, she, she tells him where Bev is. Which I mean, if you know, you got the shit beat out of you, and someone was gonna cut your face open, you probably would have been like, yeah, she went to Maryland. Yeah. Have fun. Um, I think the big difference is, is I wouldn't have listened to his threats and I would have just called the police and then gotten the gun. I guess I also would have just kicked him in the nuts. I mean, they've already had a bad day as it is. Bad week. Um, but I, but then I she was like, also not beat up and having my face threatened to be cut off. So yeah. I wasn't exactly but, uh, in the same position. He, he like, sits, or, like, sits down and like goes, you could call the cops, but they're not going to believe you. I'll be gone, and maybe they will arrest me, but I'll post bail, and I'll come back here, and they'll, you know, they'll find your eyeballs in the in the fish tank, and yeah, tits like, on the oven, tits on tits on the table, and shit like that, like straight up, and that's just such like a, almost like kind of like a, a true thing, it's like you know, like, it's I don't know, it's just weird because I don't know, like, a crime investigation back in the day, it's not like she had cameras or anything like that, yeah. and no cell phone records. And the fact that he was like, yeah, they might arrest me, but I'll just post the, the couple thousand dollar bail because I'm balling. I have tons of money because I <laughs> Still all my wife's manip- money. manipulated my wife into, you know, taking all her cash and I'll come back here and I'll murder you. Like, I think you're being hard on Tom. I don't think he's as bad as you make him out to I, be. Tom needs to get his, <laughs> I think mean, Tom needs to go dig fish. Dig fish. And he like, you know, he goes out and he like gets a truck off. I can't remember if he like buys the truck or he so cash money. He he flies to Bangor, um, and then he he looking he's looking through the he can't get a rental car because Audrey got the last one. He's looking through the newspaper and he finds a like beat down he some lemon. Yeah, he he gives the kid cash. He says, come to the airport, I'll give you cash. And then he also buys the screwdriver off the kid, and he steals the license plate. I mean, I, uh, the radio doesn't work, and he's like, I got lots to think about. That's my favorite part for his chapter, because that's terrifying to me. <laughs> I, don't, he, I don't even need well, music. the fact that he's going to drive all that way in silence. And just think about all the things he's going to do. fucking maniac. I'm going to buy a carton of cigarettes, and I'm going to give you every fucking one. Ugh. I mean, he's got he's got Bill's novel too, and he's like, who the like who the fuck is this? I don't know about you guys, but I've never been so mad at a person that I just drive in silence and think about what I want to do. To them. I don't think I'd that I don't know if I'd ever hit that level of mad where I'm just like fucking hunched up on my like motherfucker. I was gonna. You know, I don't even picture him as like hunched up. I picture him as just being calm in his anger at this and point, then, and then and then yeah. Kay goes and she's like, well, I gotta warn Bev. Mm-hmm. And she gets on the the operator thing and is like, listen. Calls every this hotel. psycho person is coming for my friend. They just, he, she left him and she's he's coming and the operator's like, well, you should call 911. And she's like, 
alright give me their number too but I still need all these hotel numbers and she's calling every single and of course she says that she has to ride with her with her bad hand so she's oh, like slow down that's the scariest part of the whole book having to write with your left hand I'm left handed well for you then you're right hand I had to do that once it was awful um yeah, and she's like calling all the all, and then of course Bev doesn't pick up because Bev's not, you know, at the townhouse at the moment. And this is also scary because now we know that Tom Pennywise and Henry Bowers are all just gonna be converging in Gary. It's like the fucking the triple fusion events. It's like the anti Avengers are just rolling into town. The Revengers. <laughs> no, the Revengers are cool. Okay, and then our last one is Audra Denbro, who goes to the states against her agent's wishes and runs afoul. That doesn't happen yet. No, that, that doesn't happen. Yeah, that doesn't happen yet. But we, we find out that she's staying at the same uh, hotel as Tom. Yeah. No, I thought she was staying across from this Or they're next. But they I park think they're, next I think they're to literally each other. like across the road from each other. It says that they park nose to nose. No. I don't think there's as much to say about Audra as there is about Henry. The, the whole time Audra was like, "I gotta go." I'm like, "No, just, just she, she's stay. N- just stay. She's just, not, she's not best girl, but she is loyal girl. But she's just like a, she's just <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know. My, like, she's a good wife. Yeah, my, yeah. The, my husband is obviously going through some trauma. I don't give a shit about my career. I'm gonna go and help. Yeah, which is what in a non-Stephen King situation is what you should do. Yeah. In this situation, she should have just fucking stayed where she was. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I am knowing what's t- going on, I'm just like, no, no, you stay there and you just do what you gotta do. Bill will... E- even with incomplete information, I'm gonna be honest, if my spouse started having scars just mysteriously appear on them and telling me about recovered memories and they disappeared, I'd be like, nah. No, they got it. They know what they're doing. I wouldn't have let them leave. <laughs> I yeah, like, I mean, she let him leave in the I'm first like, place. I'd be like, you stay. <laughs> Stay, or I'm going with you. Those are your two options. That's what I would have said. Yeah, I would have let them. Audra, Audra's whole section was her. I kind of feel like the one dude. Is it like a? Is it the director or is it the producer? I think, I think it's the he's director. the director. She's like he's like. I feel like in some of his lines, he's like suddenly kind of like trying to get with her. He's like trying to take her to the bar, like comfort her while my bill's gone <laughs> I didn't get that vibe but now that you say it out well, loud no, well, yeah, there's, like, there's like a, there's like a part it's like let's go to the bar we both need a drink and then when she says no he's kind of like what like like put off about like what that like what and then you know she pieces the fuck out I offer that to people all the time if I really want to get with them I send them memes but I don't think that was a thing then <laughs> oh <laughs> it's just gonna be like the old like square memes with like the frog in the yeah. middle Can I ask the, ref, the, the remind me about that when we're done recording <laughs> okay memes no about remind me about Nick when we're oh done, okay when we're done recording I, I'll tell you okay alright so our last section of part three is the third interlude uh, which involves the Bradley gang getting essentially <laughs> murdered by the whole of dairy after they make a huge purchase yeah they were they just like cash much, they just like bought like every piece of ammunition and the whole like, how much money are they pumping into the local economy and what do the people of dairy do they, they, they kill them they just, they, it reminds it reminds me of fourth of july in fairmont 
<laughs> you mean like a whole week where there's just like fireworks going off for July 6th, and July 7th, from like 10 a.m. And I have to use my gunner fireworks app. <laughs> Is that a real app? No, but it should be. We should make that app. That's how we'll make our. That's a weird. Fortune. That's a next North of July. We're just gonna grab a few beers, sit on the roof, and be like, play play the new drinking game, Gunner Firework. We might sure. We might want to hook ourselves up to a to a bungee cord. To a bungee cord. <laughs> That'd be a great way to die. What well, was it? A Gunner Firework. He never answered. I, I do really like a lot in this chapter. But it, it's, it's the same as a lot of the interludes and the reasons I like them. You know, you're getting that history of the town and how it's sort of warped in a way that people are aware of it on one level, but they still well, don't talk about it. the guy that Mike's interviewing even mentioned seeing, the, seeing Pennywise. Yeah. Because Mike's like, well, did you see anyone there that you didn't recognize? Someone, you talking about the clown? You talking about the clown? Well, he wasn't dressed up as a clown, but he had a lot of the oil, like the face paint and the smile painted on he his was, face. He was wearing but a we, suit. But we thought it was just someone in disguise that didn't want to be noticed, so we didn't, you know, think anything of it. Everyone saw him as having the gun they were holding. They bought a fuck ton of ammo. <laughs> so this is the first, as you, we've gone through these... So, like, the first one was about the loggers who settled the area. Well, who the Europeans who who were the first there. Just mass disappearing. The second one's about the fire at the Black Spot and how there were members of the town who were involved. And this one has kind of grown to where almost the entire town is involved. And you just kind of get to form this picture of Derry as, oh, first you're starting to read, oh, it's kind of an eerie, spooky, scary place, and then you, you learn more, and it's like, oh, people don't really help each other as much. Crime is more rampant here. And then you get to this point, you're like, oh, there's a massive cover-up where the entire town murdered decided to people. Murdered to be, yes, they were criminals, but it's still murder. Because he even talks about it, like, not being on the news. It's mm-hmm. like, it, 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 like it didn't exist or didn't happen. The book, especially the interludes, like slowly escalate just how poisoned the minds of the inhabitants are. Yes. And uh, that's good. Because uh, early on you get a sense of if there's a way that people might be able to help. But by the time you get here, you're like, oh no, if you're not these seven kids, you're, you're fucked. Yeah. Uh, and that's why, you know, Bev says, you know, Bradley's not a part of us. He's different. Yeah. Maybe in a under a different situation he would have been, but he's just he's not. Stan and Eddie belong, but Bradley doesn't. And then you finally start to see why, mm-hmm. because whatever's going on here, we know because we've read the book before. Yeah. It's poisoned the minds and souls of everyone around it as it's feeding on them. Even the the people who aren't literally killed and eaten. Yeah. They're still they're affected by it. Yeah. And we're going to see that even more when we get to the next interlude. Kill you all! <laughs> I'll drive you crazy and I'll kill you all! I'm every nightmare you ever had. I am your worst dream come true. I'm everything you ever were afraid of. Okay, so let's let's continue to move. Uh, moving on to scary shit. Daniel, what was the scariest part of part three? 
the scariest part for you. <sighs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I'm still gonna go with Bev that just her entire walk scene uh, because that to me feels the most real. Mm-hmm. Uh, it almost made you stop reading. Yes. It uh, it reminds me of a lot of people I've had to deal with through work over the past few years, so I'm a little desensitized. So, yes, that was also the the most unsettling part of this for me, hands down, was Bev's dad, and just the way it's written, and how Pennywise goes from being just a normal old woman she's slowly decaying into becoming like a, a hag mm-hmm. it's freaking witch yeah just how and it's how Pennywise is always described he's a more real witch than any witch that's ever existed oh, I have such a comment for that but it's a spoiler um you're gonna make a joke about my ex-wife that's right I'm Mr. Bucket Mr. Bucket Put your balls in my mouth, Mr. Bucket. Put your balls in my head, Mr. Bucket. I'ma spit them on out, Mr. Bucket. Tons of fun, Mr. Bucket. Put your balls in my mouth, Mr. Bucket. Let me suck on them balls, Mr. Bucket. Put your balls in my head, Mr. Bucket. Buckets of fun. <laughs> Speaking of that. The, one of the hardest I've laughed in, in recent years, like the past four or five years, uh, as long as I've known Daniel, whenever we step outside and it's cold, he always says, oh, it's colder than my ex-wife's heart out here. <laughs> and then the first time he said that after he was divorced, I fell over laughing. <laughs> it's funny because that's something my dad said to me all the time and my parents are divorced. Yeah. <laughs> and your mom is sweet. And I'm like, way not to put me in the middle, dad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Matt, what about for you? What was the scariest, the scariest, mm. the spookiest, the hauntingest? I'm trying to think what's like. Well, you've got the the fortune cookies. You have Paul Bunyan. You've got I feel like I, dog in a clown suit. <laughs> <laughs> Underneath, he was only afraid tall. of Dobermans. I forgot that the scene's like he's like an eight foot tall clown with a Doberman head. <laughs> That's a pretty. Uh, furries are pretty scary. Dracula in the library. You've got Pennywise at the baseball field. I feel like it is Bev's scene. I feel yeah. like it is just Bev's scene is like the scariest. It is unanimous. Bev's scene wins. I feel like the rest of the scenes aren't like... I feel like the fortune cookie thing is like... Gross. Yucky. Like, yeah. I could have put that in my mouth. I could have put that in my mouth. But... <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, no, it's just Bev, Bev scene is the, the most unsettling part of this whole yeah. this whole section. The rest of the scenes are just very like they're very dialogue oriented. Yeah, this scene is very visually and you know. I love the Dracula part, but is it it isn't scary. It's not scary. It's more like I don't know. That, it would be scary. Since, since I think it's the fact that Pennywise is so talkative mm-hmm. in those scenes. I mean, he's talkative in this one too, but in like a different like. A way different. Yeah, he's you know, as her dad, and he's yeah. saying awful, awful things. Yeah. It there's a certain level of humor in some of the other encounters that just doesn't exist. Well, even yeah, like, like a giant in, Paul Bunyan in the audiobook. I mean, even just the way that the the reader like portrays Pennywise, Pennywise's voice is even more kind of like you know carefree and like kind of 
It's very John Wayne Gacy. Jolly, <laughs> if, if, if I have to, you know, say something. But, like, I don't know. Yeah, it's just bad as far. It's just unsettling. Oh, my God. Are you Stephen King? No, I'm Dean Koontz. Oh. Moving on to the Kings and the Koontzes of part three of It. Matt, what was your King and what was your Koontz? She's got me Richie. Some of us got eyeful. I just love that joke. Fucking it's so, Richie. It's so funny. <laughs> Is it better than uh, Stan's dad killing Christ? I believe uh, that was my father. Is it wrong that I just picture him as Kyle from South Park in my head? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kyle Brothwaski. Um, I don't know what my least... What's my... I wonder if I still know all the words to Kyle's mom's a bitch. Kyle's mom's a bitch. Bitch is the biggest bitch in the whole wide world. She's a stupid bitch and a mean old bitch and... Boys and girls. I could probably sing along with I haven't watched that movie in so long. I haven't I have it somewhere. I think... I definitely know all the words to Brian Boitano. Sorry, go ahead. What would Brian Boitano do? What was my least favorite part of this section? If he was here today, he surely kick an ass or two. That's what Brian Boitano do. I kind of wish that Bill had some kind of interaction with Pennywise at this in this section. I know they had like the interaction with the kids and stuff is 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 cool. It's it's really good. But like, I wish there was like something like like in the miniseries where. He comes across Pennywise at the cemetery. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we also didn't mention that, like, Georgie's photo just, like, showed up. Shows up. Showed up again. Yeah. Which is, like, that's pretty, super creepy. It's, yeah. creepy. It's kind of weird that he's, like, calling them back, but then once they're there, he's, like, them, trying to get them, them to leave. leave. Yeah. It's like he, he's that guy in the bar who wanted to start a fight, and then once the fight started, he realized, oh, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I'm not posting that, I got my ass kicked. <laughs> what about you, Daniel? Uh, my king is Stephen King literally murdering Koontz in the... <laughs> in the, <laughs> the, wor the worst guard is Dean Koontz. I, uh, I, I, I don't know if that was intentional, but it's, it's a funny coincidence to me that sticks oh, out. Crunchy peanut butter. The villain and Dreamcatcher is also named Koontz. And I, uh, I think that's, I think that's kind of funny. It's like shots fired. I really like the Henry chapter overall. It just reminds me of what I thought I wanted to do with my life for yeah. a long time. And uh, be insane. No, Kill uh, some kids. <laughs> I literally took this job because they offered to send me back to school, and then they closed that program six months in. Which is a, right around the time my wife also left me. It was a bad year. <laughs> That's a coons. Yeah, that is a coons. <laughs> and uh, is that your coons? No, <laughs> no, my 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 coons is Eddie's chapter because Matt can't even remember we talked about it. That's how memorable <laughs> <laughs> we talked about. It. <laughs> does he does he come back as the leper again? Start offering to give blowjobs again? Does I mean, he? He, no, he he does make that like rhyme, but he shows up as a uh, fuck. I can't remember the Henry's. Tracker? No, I thought he just showed up as as the clown. 
he shows up at. I know he does the like the rhyme, you know, Bobby would do it for a nickel or dime. He he shows up as the same dime. one that shows up to Henry, the one who hit Victor, the ball. Victor Chris. Victor. Well, no, Bel- he shows up as Belch. Belch Huggins. He shows up, but he's still wearing the clown suit and oh, he's covered yeah. in mud. Yeah, that's what. But it's. It's compared, just kind of forgettable. Compared to everything else that we get in this chapter, it's... I mean, it's the most, like, tame, like, the... It's just like, it's uh, the, it's I don't like, want to say it's bad. It's do you just, think Pennywise is, like, Doug and he opens his closet and it's just a bunch of white clown suits? I mean, I can only hear him talking about sucking Eddie's dick so many times, so... Do you think it was... What do you think would suck better dick? Eddie's wife or the clown? Mr. Bucket! That's right! I'm Mr. Bucket! Mr. Bucket! Put your balls in my mouth, Mr. Bucket. Put your balls in my head, Mr. Bucket. I'ma spit them on out, Mr. Bucket. Tons of fun, Mr. Bucket. Put your balls in my mouth, Mr. Bucket. Let me suck on them balls, Mr. Bucket. Put your balls in my head, Mr. Bucket. Buckets of fun. Uh, and his wife, because she's just so used to unhinging that jaw to eat. Have you? But, but Pennywise... <laughs> He's got razor teeth. He literally ripped George's <laughs> arm off. I don't want my dick ripped off. Some people might be into that. I mean, some people probably are. Right. fishing and dairy. You got a Lego dick? Go pop dick that fishing. shit right off. <laughs> Do you think if this was a modern story, Pennywise would catfish kids to get them to come out? I think that's something that happens more to lonely men on the internet. Do you, do you think he'd just be on, like, Plenty of Fish? <laughs> <laughs> he'd be on Grinder. He'd be too easy on Grinder. Yeah, he's hungry. He'd be like, he'd be hungry and, like, they'd be like, hell yeah. I was on Grinder for, like, three days. I have friends that, that used to use Grinder and they're like, yeah, they Dude, just, just down. And, then, and then like 10 people I knew sent me messages and so I got off of there. Awkward! <sighs> What's your king and king trying? My goodness. Um, my goodness. My king is... <laughs> no, my king is, is Ben's weight loss story. Because that, that is... That is a really good section. Yeah, that, that has just been something that's always stuck with me through the years. Um, even just from the miniseries. And then my Koontz. Goodness. Is that Dean Koontz? <laughs> I wonder if Dean Koontz killed King in any of his books. Probably, but he has too many to read them all to find out. I'll read more of them, but I'm not going to read all of them. Um, my, my Koontz is probably the Eddie section, too. It's just... It's kind of forgettable. Yeah. yeah. All right, so now just some King Easter eggs. Uh, we only have one mention of the turtle that I caught in this section. He saw the shape of a turtle. Uh, we do have a mention of the Mount Hope Cemetery where George Denbro is buried, but it will also be the future resting place of Gage from Pet Cemetery, which is where uh, Lewis Creed goes and digs up Gage. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, f- so they're at, during the reunion, uh, they're talking about how the killings in Derry never make the news. And they say, well, that guy who killed all those women in Castle Rock made the national news. And that's a reference to Frank Dodd, 
who is the serial killer from Stephen King's The Dead Zone. Have you watched Castle Rock yet? Not yet. Maybe I'll, maybe we'll cover it on the show, and I'll, I just won't watch it until we do that. Okay. Uh, and Haven, Maine is mentioned, which is where the Tommyknockers takes place. Uh, of course, Tracker Brothers, I already mentioned, is very important in Dreamcatcher. And then our last one is the villain, the worst guard of them all, Kuntz. Maybe, maybe a veiled reference to Sting's King's so-called rival, Dean Kuntz. I love that you capitalized all of Kuntz there. Kuntz! 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 Whoa! Okay, you guys had homework. What would have came out of your fortune cookie, Daniel? An aborted fetus that won't stop crying. Ugh. Oh. Yeah. All right, uh... (laughs) Matt, what would came out of your fortune cookie? We had homework. Yeah, <laughs> we always have homework. What come out of your fortune cookie? Is it a bad hair day? I don't. What? Okay, I'll give you, you have the nicest hair. I'll, so I'll give you an extra years. minute. Mine. Uh, so I I saw this thing on Facebook years ago that haunts me. Like every time I crack into a banana, it's this bug that go that burrows into a banana through the peel and then like like hibernates and grows in the middle of a banana. I'm looking this up. (laughs) I know what you're talking about. And it like, every time I open a banana now, I break it from the middle first before I take a bite. That's what would be in my fortune cookie. What am I like terrified enough of that if I cracked a fortune cookie open, I would just be a fucking... Like anything that wasn't a fortune (laughs) fortune cookie. Anything that's not a little piece of paper. (laughs) It's like if I cracked open my fortune cookie and there was just a bumblebee in there, I'd be like, what the fuck? I didn't order the spicy fortune cookie. <sighs> what if it was filled with spicy Mountain Dew? I almost bought one of those. I was like tempted to try it. It's so good, dude. I'm Is addicted. It? I'm addicted to it. I love it. I-, I hate myself for liking it. Like I hate myself for liking the pumpkin noodles I tried. Pumpkin noodles? Yeah, it the just tastes, it tastes like a slightly sweeter teriyaki. It smells... Oh, pumpkin. For some reason, my brain went watermelon. I don't know why. I thought it went completely different. <laughs> it's okay. I call it Brazier's. <laughs> you can have watermelon. Oh, I'm fucking tired. Um, yeah, I don't know what. Like, I... What if you opened a fortune cookie and there was nothing? I've had that happen before, and it's like... <laughs> he opens a fortune cookie, and someone's thrown up on a, a crocus. <laughs> I'm glad mine's double-sleeved. I've seen what double-sleeves can protect against. Yeah, it's great. It's like that time that Ryan spilled a Kickstarter in his backpack. All over shardless bug. Yeah. Right. Mm. Okay, so our question for the listeners this week is the same thing. Please reach out to us on social media and let us know what would have been in your for- fortune cookie if you can make Daniel gag, you'll you'll win a prize, and I'll reach out to you for sure. It's pretty hard to do, but it is kind of hard to do at this point. Pretty impossible, to be honest. <laughs> okay, so upcoming on the Horror of Bam- Babylon next week, we which will premiere on June fifth. We are doing our episode on Woe, which is the Indian adaptation of Stephen King's It. We will be covering episodes one through three. Whoa, whoa! And then the following week. It Part 4, the last Sunday in June. We are covering our last episode on the novel. First Sunday in July, July 3rd, we are covering the It miniseries. The following week, Rumiko Takahashi's Mermaid Saga. So good. 
uh, July 17th, Sunday, It, Chapter 1. Then July 24th, J. Sheridan, La Famuse Carmilla. We will have a special guest. And the final Sunday in July, we will wrap up our It coverage with It, Chapter 2 from 2019. Daniel's favorite movie. And my favorite movie, too. Yeah, it's my, it's my absolute favorite. Absolute better. It, it's better than Star Wars. I can't say it. It's better than the original miniseries. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, thank you both for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Ryan. We love you. Yay. It's good to be loved. And thank you very much for listening. Stay tuned for our socials and stay scary. Stay scary. She's in that voice. And now for the obligatory socials. Like, share, and subscribe. Blah, blah, blah. Follow Daniel at DStarSick on Twitter. Follow Ryan at Darth Damio on Twitter. Find the podcast on Twitter at HorrorPod69. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Goodreads. Become part of the community by joining the Facebook group or asking for our Discord link. Email us at the Horror of Babylon Podcast at gmail.com. Support the show at patreon.com slash the horror of Babylon. You can listen to the show on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Audible, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and Podcast Addict. I need a drink.